Thank you for listening to the Lunch Pail Guys podcast. If you enjoy the show and want to support us, the best ways are to leave a five-star review and subscribe on your favorite platform and follow us on Twitter or Instagram at lunchpailguys underscore. Welcome back, everybody, to our second episode of the week here on the Lunch Pail Guys podcast. I'm joined again by most of the usual crew, Wyatt's here, Bart's here, and Jared is here. We spent the first episode of the week talking about college football generally and some potential breakout NFL stars. Today, we're going to return a little bit to college football and spend the last half of the episode critiquing Nick Wright's list of the 50 greatest NBA players ever. But again, before we get to that, some college football from some of our beloved Notre Dame. Uh, or some, <laughs> some people here love Notre Dame. Some are, some are less keen. And heading into the 2022 season, Notre Dame still currently has the number one ranked recruiting class for the following year, 2023, which might pave the way for a lot of future success. They're ahead of Bama, and they keep adding to that class. There are a lot of potential takes surrounding Notre Dame's success, how Freeman has been recruiting, but let's just start with this. We're going to open the door for some wild takes. Bart, can Notre Dame win a national title in the next five years, given the strength of their future recruiting classes that Marcus Freeman has put together? Well, I'm, I'm sorry to say I am not keen on them. Notre Dame is cursed. The answer is no. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, jo- I'm joking. I'm totally yeah. joking. I yeah. think the answer is yes. I think the answer, of course, has the caveat where, like, for literally any team, you need a fair amount of luck, and there's no mm-hmm. exception. There's no real way to quantify that. But, yeah, like, as far as building up the pieces, I think they're, they're, on, the, they're on the right track for sure. And, like, the thing that everybody's talking about, uh, which is, I think, the most important thing is the recruiting, right, like you mentioned, Lucas. So, like, I looked back. 247 is clutch, by the way. They have a mm-hmm. thing where they can give you a roster's whole like talent composite score, not just the class, but mm-hmm. the whole roster. So I looked back at those for each championship game uh, since 2015 because like I think that's as far back as it goes. The winners' average composite score for the roster was 3.7. The losers was 4.7. Uh, and the top ranked roster in the country was in the championship four out of those seven games. Meanwhile, Notre Dame's composite score over those seven seasons was an average of 10. So it kind of explains why, like, when they were able to make the playoff, they always lost in the first round. Like, why that was their ceiling. Because you could argue that they were actually overperforming. So absolutely. Like, Freeman's recruiting is a clear improvement over Brian Kelly. Uh, Brian Kelly's best recruiting class, 2013, was fifth best. And that's it. That was the only time under him that they were even in the top eight I saw. Convenient cutoff. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) We'll use it. I'm totally fine with that. I'm totally fine with that. I do it all the time. (laughs) <laughs> I just thought that was interesting because right now they're, 20, uh, they're first in 2023, like you said, Lucas. They are also, last I checked, first in 2024, but that's like huge asterisk because there are only five commits for that class. But it bodes really well. And so I think it's interesting because Freeman has been clear how he's trying to like cast a wider net and he's kind of trying to redefine how Notre Dame does recruiting, right? Like now they're trying to, they're trying to approach it more like who are the good players? Okay, let's see if we can get them to like, you know, see themselves as a fit at Notre Dame as opposed to let's look at the Catholic schools and then find the good football players. Um, and he's also like, he's clear about how he wants to lead the charge on every recruit, whereas Brian Kelly was more of like a managerial hands-off kind of guy. <clears throat> so absolutely. Um, and then like you think about how good Notre Dame was even with those limited classes with BK, right? Like they made the championship in 2012. They made the playoff two more times. Um, at most, they've lost two games each of the past four seasons. So I don't see how you can look at Freeman's recruiting and not think that they can only go up from here. They can absolutely win a championship because they can absolutely 
get a top like two or three talent composite roster in the next five years if Freeman keeps this up. The one question mark, obviously, can Freeman actually coach? We have no idea what he's like on the field. I think Brian Kelly probably made up for some of his recruiting weakness with how well he coached on the field. So this whole optimistic viewpoint might be gone at the end of the season when we realize that Freeman like has no ability to make like real-time changes to his strategy. But yeah, I think the answer to this is yes. Freeman is such a good recruiter. People are remembering how much of a brand name Notre Dame is and like I feel like uh, with NIL as well, which Notre Dame mm-hmm. stands to gain a lot from, the the sky is the limit. I agree. And I think mm-hmm. also the narrative is like I think a lot of times the narrative is like you don't play in the South where all the rec- all the recruits are, or whatever. Or like you don't play in the SEC, but Ohio State is the example of like a Northern power that <clears throat> perenna- perennially is a um, championship team, championship level mm-hmm. team. So I think you can get that give that out of the way first off. And I also feel like even the recruiting classes, in terms of like guys we're getting that aren't five stars, for example, they're getting like high quality four star guys or whatever. For example, Wyatt, I know that you said that you didn't think Tobias was that impressive in high school, but Tobias Merriweather is apparently really impressing at camp right now, one of the wide receivers from our hometown, Vancouver, Washington. Super excited about that. And yeah, I had <laughs> oh, heard... I was trying to remember who you were talking about there for mm-hmm. a second. Tobias Merriweather, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, one of the things I heard, just like anecdotally from people that were, when I was a student, like my sources uh, that were kind of mm-hmm. involved with the football program is like that Brian Kelly didn't really like use any of his own like charisma to recruit. He just like recruited like Notre Dame, the brand and like the brand kind of can recruit itself where mm-hmm. I feel like what we've seen from Freeman, at least from everything that we can see outside of the locker room is that he has like quite a bit of charisma to be able to recruit as well. And that's what even like, like Dabo, that's a hundred percent what he did. He recruited it. Like he's a lightning rod. Some people are going to be attracted to it. Some people aren't, you know, I think that's one of the guys like that, um, that can do it when you come from like, when you're trying to build up a program, you have to have a little bit of charisma there. Yeah. And I think Dabo and Clemson is like kind of the instructive model for how this can all work for Notre Dame. And that like, he really did just kind of like build up a program out of just being an excellent, excellent recruiter. And like the success wasn't immediate. Like it took a little bit for like Clemson to build up the level of quality that they needed to. But obviously Dabo's a good coach, but he's maybe the best recruiter in all of college football. And I think that's how they were able to, again, build up such a talent base. Um, to be able to start competing. And I think Freeman, again, is doing the same thing. He's rivaling Dabo for recruiting ability. And I think, yeah, like with what Bart said, he just has to prove that he can actually coach on the field because we've seen one bowl game where he had a couple weeks to prepare. That went, like, all it. right. What, well, do mean, what do you mean he blew it? It didn't just go all right. Oh they my lost by a touchdown. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It was close. He blew a lead. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That was the ML for the team, though. That's the ML for the team. Yeah, exactly. He, he can't change that one game. You can't change that one. Yeah. No, you're rebuilding. Yeah. You're rebuilding. It was a rebuilding bowl <laughs> game. The good old-fashioned um, college rebuild. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, I think there's, like, a relatively good shot. Notre Dame wins a national championship in the next five years. And maybe that's just, like, the unbridled optimist in me, like, really <laughs> hoping that that happens for Notre Dame. But I think... There is a legitimate possibility. And I know I, I might look stupid years from now, but we'll see how it turns out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe not looking forward as much. Oh, Bart, do you have something to say? I was just going to ask if Wyatt didn't have any disparaging comments. I thought, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm trying to think of something. I really don't have a hot take <laughs> on Marcus Freeman, to be honest. 
Um, I'm just kind of waiting to see what happens. History would 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 prove that Notre Dame will not win a national championship because over the last we have five the most years, in history. They Come have on. not won a That's national not championship. That's not true. Actually, Jared, is it Bama? It's Bama. Alabama, now? De- Alabama <laughs> definitely does now. Yeah, second most in history, Wyatt. <laughs> <laughs> well. Over the last five years, they have not won a national championship. So I would suggest that the next five years will be very close to the same thing, that they will not win a national championship. The only thing that I have against them, really, is that the fact they have not, at least, especially since we've done this podcast and since I think Jared has gone to Notre Dame, they have not had a even good quarterback at their school. And Ian Book is at, good. Ian Book was good. He wasn't elite, but he's good. I don't know. I'll, I'll let you think about that one. Um, <laughs> but I mean, like, if you think of most of the schools outside of Georgia who had one of the best defensive rosters in college football history, most of them have had an elite quarterback lead the charge there. And I don't know if Notre Dame has an elite quarterback to lead the charge. So until they until they find the quarterback, I would I would believe that they are not going to be a national championship. Obviously, the with the way the question is framed, they could win one, but I would bet money that they do not win one in the next five years. What about what I if I told you we had CJ a five Carr. star re- exactly? Yeah. What if I told yeah, you I saw, I look, I saw his year. name, but I don't care about high school recruits because we don't know what they're <laughs> ever going to be. Oh my! God. Until yeah. he's a good college he's quarterback, a- he's nothing to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's we'll see. We'll- yeah. Like, but that's Quinn a start, right? Quinn Ewers, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Couldn't he, he did not win the starting job. Bart, I'm assuming like Brian Kelly never recruited a five star quarterback, right? There's, there's no. Ah, uh, you're asking. <laughs> I don't know that off the top of my head. Oh, I thought you there's maybe no you would know because you accepted it through. Yeah, I wouldn't think no. so. But the, yeah, I did, that Brent Wimbush wasn't. Uh, who else? Malik definitely was not. Malik was not. Deshaun was not. Yeah. Former projected number one overall pick to Sean yeah. <laughs> Um which didn't exactly pan out to be much of anything. But we'll the see. podcast was not around uh, when that happened, right? No, but did you no, guys yeah, share the same thought college. that he was going to be a number like a, a first round draft pick? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think you did. No, well, I remember, you tried I to convince remember, me no. he was. I remember did that. I? <laughs> yeah. Maybe I did. I remember. I distinctly remember sitting with Jared in the stands before, like the first game of the 2016 season, like reading that article, like projecting <laughs> okay. number one overall pick. Or no, not sitting in the stands. Um, it was after this, whatever the first home game was, because they just lost to Texas yeah. in the first game, and we were like, "What is this?" I don't know. And that's <laughs> what I remember that conversation going. But we'll see. Um, all right. Some more immediate questions. What are expectations for Notre Dame for this coming season? Uh, I mean, okay, so I feel like I'm giving Freeman a bit of a pass this year because we have a really tough schedule. Obviously, opening up with Ohio State, then we play Clemson. USC, who knows what they're going to look like. They're probably going to be pretty good, though, I would think. Mm-hmm. We do have a pretty tough schedule. And like Wyatt, like you said, we don't really have... I think we probably regressed from last year at quarterback, actually, unless Buckner makes a really big step, step up. He's also fighting with Drew Pine, too, but... Yeah, we just don't really have terrible in one of the spring games. Apparently. The spring game we looked awful yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah. Offensively, we looked awful. Just really terrible. <laughs> so yeah. I'm I'm definitely worried about what that's going to look like. But at the same time, like Oregon came in, I thought Oregon had no shot. They came in and beat Ohio State last year, and they were missing a bunch of starters too. You know, crazy things can happen. Yeah, we'll see. I think ten and two is like the reasonable sort of like range for what I would be like. This ten and two making a New Year's Six bowl game. 
probably lose that. But, like, I think that was, like, a reasonable level of expectation for Notre Dame this year. Because, like, yes, they're the really tough games. But there are also, like, a lot of games that should be kind of layup wins for Notre Dame with the talent level it has. Marshall's a layup win. Cal's a layup win. Stanford is UNLV, Syracuse, Navy, Boston College. That's at least, like, eight easy Don't wins there. Don't sleep on Boston College. And, we're sleeping on them. I'll sleep on Boston <laughs> College. I mean, get back to me November 19th and when I look like an idiot. But Jerkovich's we'll revenge tour is yeah. fully running. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think that, like, if they can, Notre Dame can win all the non-Clemson, USC, and Ohio State games and then pull out one win in those three games, like, that'll be a successful year in my mind. BYU is going to be a tough game, too, I think. It will be, but... Whatever. I don't know. I, I think that's a win. New uniforms the for day. I think they'd win that, <laughs> but it's <laughs> yeah. I think they'd win that, but it's it'll be a tough game. It's not a gimme. Okay, we'll see. Even well, who knows what UNC Marshall, looks you know? like? Maybe. Maybe. We'll have Sam. Brown, I don't know. Mac Brown. They regressed a ton last year. <laughs> yeah, but they like, still have Mac Brown. That good. When's the last last time Mac Brown's in anything relevant? Two thousand five. Two thousand five. Exactly. Last person to bring Texas back. Okay, okay, Jared. I think the uh, expectations are growing pains. I think that you should yeah, see... Yeah, there's going to be some growing pains. Look, Marcus Freeman is probably a better recruiter, but Brian Kelly was a really good coach for Notre Dame. And I think as much yeah. as yeah. as much guff as I've given him over the last couple of years, <laughs> I, it's going to... If Marcus Freeman, if he's 70% of the coach that Brian Kelly was, and obviously what seems like twice the recruiter that Brian Kelly was then I think that they'll be totally fine. But if Marcus Freeman is not a very good coach, especially with the offense side of the ball that has dominated college football, then it's going to be really, really, really tough for them. Right now he is living off the buzz of being like this next young coach who we've only seen him do the one game, the bowl game, and nobody ever really cares about bowl games. But, you know, maybe – Things change if Marcus Freeman does not look like a good coach and the recruiting classes start to dip just a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. you can't sell a vision with a bad product. So, I mean, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. At the very least, Brian Kelly can say that, well, we win, and then we go from there. When we Brian do have Kelly evidence that he's fired. a good coordinator, though. I will say that. I was going to say, maybe he can just do a good job of offloading coaching duties to mm-hmm. <laughs> the coordinators mm-hmm. and be the, the energy guy on the sideline only. <laughs> We'll see. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up our Notre Dame talk uh, for right now. And we're going to finish off the episode with might be what might be our last little bit of an NBA talk for a while. Nick Wright of Fox Sports on his podcast, What's Right with Nick Wright. A worse podcast name than we have, but we'll give it some credit for what it is. He just released. <laughs> he's just baked into his, his li- name. He's, he's just so lucky that he's like this polarizing <laughs> TV figure. He's not lucky that he's a TV figure, but that his name is, his last name is Wright. Like, I feel like that, that has, that's given him like. A ten percent boost in life. Yeah. Oh, I but feel it's like not so too, too late to legally change your name, Wyatt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, he just completed his list of the top fifty players of the last fifty years in the NBA. Um, I'll run through the top fifteen quick, uh, just so we're, we're aware of the type of guys that are in there. Isaiah Thomas at fifteen, Giannis at fourteen, KD at thirteen, Moses Malone at twelve, Doctor J at eleven, Steph at ten, Shaq at nine, Akeem Olajuwon at eight. Larry Bird at 7, Kobe at 6, Tim Duncan at 5, Magic at 4, Jordan at 3, Kareem at 2, and LeBron at 1. And while there's been some 
some dispute about the goat talk and ranking Jordan three. We're not going to engage in that dialogue. It's overwrought. <laughs> it's overdone. We're just going to say whether a few other people on the list were overrated or underrated. And we're going to go from the bottom up. We've picked five player, six players, and we'll debate them all. And the first is Carmelo Anthony, who was ranked as the 49th best player of the last 50 years. Why is he overrated or underrated? I mean, just just right. Like, I mean, how nitpicky am I going to be at number 49? <laughs> when you're talking players 40 to 50, is there like that much of an argument? I do not know a whole lot of, of Tiny Archibald or Sidney Moncrief, to be honest. But <laughs> for a lot of the other guys that are on that list in front of him, like Dennis Rodman, James Worthy, Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard, Gary Payton, those type of guys, can you argue that Carmelo Anthony has really had a better career than any of those guys? He, he was a fantastic scorer. I know that he was in a big market of New York. But as far as like being the number one guy in a championship team, he didn't win a championship. He hardly made the playoffs. And, you know, kind of ever since that he's taken a knock in reputation the latter years of his career as far as like now he's coming off the bench and now he's like the disgruntled star who's moving from team to team. So I don't really have a hot take here where I think Carmelo Anthony should be number 48 instead. But, uh, you know, I don't think he had a better career than a lot of the other guys in front of him. Jared, what do you think? Fair. Maybe I have a hot take. I don't think he should be on this list. I say overrated. Yeah, I, know. I, I would want some. I know you don't think he's a Hall of Famer, but okay. I mean, like looking at like the stats that Nick Wright, like his arguments and stuff, which were like definitely good arguments, but there's no like career highlights that really jump out to me. Like they're all longevity stats. Yes, um, he is the same efficiency as Kobe Bryant. He brought up, but like Carmelo Anthony was never one of the literally even top two in his position. You know who was Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard has a first-team All-NBA. That's who I think should have been on instead of Carmelo Anthony. He was a scoring champion once. He never really had, has had playoff success. You know who has had playoff success? Damian Lillard. And he's been the one that carries this team. So I think Damian Lillard should have been there in front of Carmelo for sure. Carmelo's just had basically a long career, um, which is why I think he's on this list. I mm-hmm. would, Which I'm not going to be too nitpicky about it either, but which I think somebody like Dame should be on there. I do listen to the Nick Wright, the What's Right podcast on a regular basis. And he did say today, that, or at least the one I listened to today, that <clears throat> if he had known that Nikola Jokic was going to win the second MVP, he would have put him on the list as well. And just to mention, he definitely had a better career so far than Kamala Anthony. So, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe you're right. He's mm-hmm. he's not 49. He's 51. So, I don't know. <laughs> We'll see. I think also, shout out to Alex English. I think should have maybe made the list above Carmelo. He was the all-time leading scorer in the 1980s. Scored more points than anybody else in the decade. Also had a scoring title. Eight-time All-Star. I think a little bit better of a career than Carmelo, but he gets forgotten because well, the 80s were dominated by some other people. Yeah. I was say, when did he play? It is the last 50 years. Yeah, he was. he played 76 to 92. Or to 91. So, what did I say? barely. He made it in the last yeah, he's 50 good. years. Yeah. All right. Next up, we're going to have Steve Nash, who's ranked at 40. Bart, we're going to start with you. Overrated or underrated? Dude, rating Steve Nash is really hard, I realized. it's This one's <laughs> tough. I, I think he – I'm going to say he's a little bit underrated. Um, and I think the, the main reason is because he is one of 11 guys on the list to have multiple MVPs, which is pretty wild. And, of course, people are going to say he didn't deserve both of them, which is probably true, but still – 
Uh, you know, you could you could go back and nitpick a lot of people's MVPs and awards, so I'm not going to do that. And he, he's also criminally underrated efficiency-wise because uh, in terms of 50-40-90 seasons, he had four of them. Bird had two. Nobody else on this list had more than one. But the thing is, of course, that defensively he was a turnstile, which is why it's like it's, it's <laughs> like I, I'm going to talk about Jason Kidd later, who was like the complete opposite. So Steve Nash was like the offensive fulcrum for that, like all those dominant Suns teams, but defensively he was trash. So I think I think like around here is is fine, but he should be a little bit higher, I would say. Yeah, I don't have any too like too strong of opinions on Steve Nash, um, but yeah, I would I would probably lean underrated. Like you could probably put him in front of make a case to put him in front of like Russell Westbrook, for example, at the same position. Who yes has had those incredible triple double stat stuffing seasons, but hasn't really amounted to much in terms of. Team success, not that you should factor in team success that much, maybe into individual player greatness, but yeah. yeah. I would say slightly underrated. Fair enough. Well, we're going to go to another point guard next, Jason Kidd at number 27. And Bart, you alluded to it earlier, we're going to go back to you. I think he is correctly rated, uh, like Wyatt was saying for Melo. I think, I think 27 is fine. Um, he did average 12 points per game on 40% shooting, which is awful. But, like, the thing, like I was saying, like, with him, he made up for it with everything else. With defense, with rebounding, with his passing, he actually averaged more assists per game than Nash, which, like, blew my mind when I double-checked mm-hmm, that. Because yeah. um, I never think, like, you think of Nash as being like, a super flashy passer. Uh, Kid is, like, what is he? He's, like, the fourth best rebounder all-time amongst point guards. Um, he also is fourth all-time in triple-doubles, which people forget. I certainly forgot about that. Like, Russell Westbrook, obviously, is, like, the king of that now. But So, yeah, I just think Jason Kidd was so good at so many things besides shooting efficiently. But I think that's forgivable because as a point guard, you don't need to do that anyway. So, I think 27 is fine for him. I, I, I disagree. I think he's overrated for sure. And I think that, like, part of it is the shooting stats that you sort of threw out. But, again, I just want to look at some of the people he's ranked ahead of. Scotty Pippen, Steve Nash, Russell Westbrook. I think Nash and Westbrook are the most sort of instructive comparisons here because they're both also point guards. So you can compare pretty evenly across. Yes, he had the most assists of any of them. and That's super important from the point guard position. But as a point guard, you have to also do some other things. He has fewer points per game than Nash. He was called Mr. Triple-Double, but he has fewer triple-doubles than Russ. He has fewer MVPs than both. Um, and because he never won one. Nash won two, Russ won one. Um, and I think maybe you could also throw in the advantage that he's a better defender, uh, which is probably true. Yeah, Actually, I was going to say, how many combined all-defensive do Russell Westbrook and Nash have? <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Irrelevant. zero. <laughs> Fine, they compare him to Pippen. Pippen's one of the all-time great defenders. We'll see that. But I think maybe the advantage that Kidd has over those two guys, you might say, is, oh, he won a title with the Mavericks. He was washed at that point. When he was the best player on the team, they got smoked in both of the finals that he played. Um... And you can compare maybe to then to Pippen in that sense, where like Pippen was also not the best player when his team won the championships, but Pippen won six of those. Jason Kidd only won one and was equally as good of a defender. So I don't think he should be rated above Pippen. I don't think he should be rated above Nash or Westbrook. So for that reason, I think he's overrated. I think mid thirties would be more appropriate for him. Interesting. I would disagree about Nash at least, but let's let's not beat a dead horse i was expecting a flaming uh-huh. hot elvin hayes take to cut to find his way in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. somebody will somebody will throw it out eventually but we'll see we'll see <laughs> all right next one is a wild one darren luka Doncic was really, was rated 20th on this list overrated or underrated he's underrated 
I'm not even joking. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Okay, so I feel like Nick Wright. No, Nick Wright was smart about this because he said top 50 NBA players, not like all this greatness stuff and like all the connotations that greatness. If you think, if you look at like who are the top 20 players or uh, top 50 players to have like played basketball, I 100% think Luca is on this list. Like Luca is phenomenal. So like, of course, resume is going to indicate how good you are though. And Luca still has the resume stats. And I honestly like Nick Wright just like put out the best stats like that I, you could give. Like, I love this one that, like, KD and Tim Duncan, they were 23 when they made their third All-NBA first team. LeBron was in uh, Isaiah Thomas. They were 24. Like, Kobe, Michael, Magic, Larry Bird, they were 25. Luka did this at 22. He's already had three first-team All-NBA appearances. Like, that's that's amazing. That's truly amazing. And he's second all-time in playoff points per game behind Michael Jordan. He was first for a little bit. Like, averaging 33 a game. Like, <laughs> I'm not even joking. Like, Luca is just, like, a phenomenal player. Nick Wright even said, like, I might have him too low on this list. By the end of his career, he'll be top 10. I agree. I agree he'll be top 10. I'm going to steal a word from Bart from the episode earlier this week. This is asinine. This is stupid. No, it's not. <laughs> like, there's no way at this point that Luca is the 20th best player of the last 50 years. Why not? I mean, look at some of the guys he's ranked ahead of. I'm going to get to that, Jared. You cut me off right after I made it. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm adding flavor. I'm not to off. explain I'm like, anything else. Why not? <laughs> cut him off. <laughs> you beat me already. Look at some guys he's ranked ahead of. Kevin Garnett, Allen Iverson, James Harden, Patrick Ewing. He doesn't have Over a resume news. anywhere close to there. He's never won an MVP. He hasn't even made a finals, let alone win one. Yet he's 20th of all time. I kind of guys who have won MVPs, who have had super dominant seasons. I realize the logic here, what he's trying to do. He's like, well, looking forward, like, if you look back at this list in, like, 10 years and don't have Luca on it, it'll look dumb. But at this point, Luca's just a guy who's put together three or four nice seasons at this point. Nice. He could it's, just that's as so dumb, easily. Nice. Sorry. He, so dumb. Jared, how many MVPs does he have? How many titles okay, but it's have? it's dumb it's made? dumb just to say that because they're earlier in their career they shouldn't be on this list when it's so clear that they are like like he said like Nick Wright said Shaq was on the 50th anniversary team when he was 24, 24 years old because it was clear this guy's just better than everybody right now like you think Luca is a better player than James Harden than are you a hundred percent yes of course he is no I don't think that's true, think it's true. who th- who thinks that James Harden is better than Luca right now. Well, like at this point in their careers, or like who is the better overall basketball player? Who's the better overall basketball player? I think James Harden. No, not even no way. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about here. Then Scottie Pippen. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'll, give, I'll put him ahead of Scottie Pippen. Way better. No, no this is stupid. <laughs> there's no like the, the, the whole thing is like, well, yeah, like he's gonna project out to me, but he could just as easily like have a career-ending injury next year and never play again. What if you? Yeah, he can explode. Has, I mean. <laughs> What a oh crazy what if. <laughs> All I'm saying is if if you cut off Luca's career today and then redid this list in ten years, would he be the twentieth best basketball player of the last fifty years? No. Not even anywhere close. I think so. I mean, but you're I think you're conflating like the whole like greatness thing and they need to have longevity and all that stuff. If you look at just like He's, like literally how good are they at the time that they've been given, I think Luca hundred percent. Has he won a scoring title ever? Has I mean like throw in any guy's three? Has he been span? the best player at his position? Yes, he's been three or what first or second best player at his position? Yes, he's done that three times. 
You don't need to you win a scoring title. You know why he wasn't yeah. hasn't won a scoring title? Because he almost averages a triple double. That's why. You know what? I'm gonna throw out a name. Bernard King almost led the NBA in scoring for three straight years. That's a good three year stretch. Maybe he should be twenty. This is crazy. But he's 50 on the list. This is crazy. You're just you're like plucking stuff out of context though and saying, "All right, here's a here's a data point. Here's a data point." But you're using Completely some like undefinable like characteristic of like best, you know? Okay, well that's what the point of the list is though. Is it is it's not <laughs> it's you can't define it. Also, here's another thing by the way. Allen Iverson didn't win his MVP until his 5th season. I'm looking at Kevin Garnett right now. He won it in 2003 04, so that was probably like his ninth season or something like that. I don't so give him true. time. Yeah, 03 04. Dude, that was like his 10th oh, right, season. Yeah. You're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. It was his <laughs> eighth or ninth season. Well, okay, well, whatever. Let's just move on to Giannis. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, Giannis is number 14 on the list. Why is he overrated or underrated? Mm, I'm going to lean more underrated, and I think that in a short order of, of the next couple of years, he will very quickly be unanimously underrated. This is not like a screaming hot Moses Malone take or anything like that, <laughs> but I think <laughs> the thing with Giannis is that he's already a two-time MVP and an NBA champion, and given the way that the, this list is built – and what you can see projecting forward, I think you can also put Giannis a little bit higher on the list because I think Giannis is going to finish as a top 10 player of all time. And if you look at, like, he will be better than Moses Malone. He will be better than Julius Irving. And I think the only thing that holds him back from Kevin Durant is the fact that Kevin Durant is still playing. Nobody would have a problem <laughs> saying that Kevin Durant, or he's uh, he's better than Kevin Durant if Kevin Durant had retired two years ago or something like that. Mm. So I think that the way that Giannis is going is it's almost so hard to judge his career. Cause it feels like it feels like he just kind of got onto the scene, but his very clear dominance of the game of basketball will, pro- will, will project him forward. What do you think, Bart? So I, I agree. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of rehashing the argument that Lucas and Jared just uh, made us endure, but <laughs> I, I, Enjoy. I agree that I, I think you, you should be projecting Giannis. And I, I think if anything, he's underrated. One thing you didn't mention Wyatt, is that he also has one defensive player of the year already. Yeah. Uh, which mm-hmm. is just, yeah, he's, 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 his accolades already, like he's had nine seasons. His accolades already are like right. hall of fame worthy basically. And he's only like, and, and you mentioned this as well, Wyatt, how like, he seems like he only just got on the scene because like, he's played nine seasons, but at least two of those, he was like this super lanky scrub. And then all of a sudden, he like, exploded. And he's going to have, how, who knows how many more seasons? A lot more. So he's almost certainly going to be top ten all time after he's done, maybe even top five. Who's to say? Yeah, I mean, his accolades so far are just crazy, and he's, he's might not even be at his peak yet. Who's to say? And I think the one thing with Giannis on this list is that Luka is clearly a projection because he hasn't even signed a max extension yet. And, and Giannis has. So, Luca, you're kind of judging what you think he will do. Giannis is a guy you're judging with what he has already done so far, and he has fleshed out as far as the book MVP, championship, you know, uh, all, all, team, all NBA, defensive player of the year, those type of things. Like, those are the, the hard truths about Giannis that we are judging, and I think that he deserves a little bit more projection here because I think that he's not done yet. All right, last up, we're going to the big Aristotle himself, <laughs> Shaquille O'Neal. Um, and I'm up first. Um, she actually ranked at number nine. Um, and I think he is absolutely underrated. And I do not understand how he is ranked behind Akeem and Duncan. 
of the big men in the top mm-hmm. ten, I think. He has more points per game and a higher field goal percentage than both Duncan and Shaq. He has more titles than Hakeem. And even though Hakeem beat him in their one head-to-head, Shaq was really young then. It was in the magic. He was still growing. He's more rebounds per game per Duncan. Plus, I loved him, Duncan. But I think he's more of a system player than Shaq is. Uh, Duncan really only ever succeeded with the Spurs and benefited from having one of the greatest <laughs> coaches of all time uh, on his team and having just like a team that was perfectly built and flowed together. Shaq did in a lot of places. He had success with the Magic, and then he won titles with both the Lakers and the Heat. Plus, I think Shaq was so dominant in the way that the and basically the only way that opposing players could stop him was to foul him and develop a whole strategy based around him. So, looking at it as a whole, the guys he's ranked beneath who played similar positions, I think he's underrated. I think he should at least be ahead of those two guys, which would put him at seven, maybe even a little higher. But I think Shaq underrated in this list. Wyatt, what do you think? I think he's underrated. I disagree with your Tim Duncan take, though. I think that Tim Duncan does have the longevity of being a winner, winning a championship in three separate decades. I do think is impressive. He won a championship within his, what, the math is his second year in the NBA. I think that's impressive. I would have a problem with him, and I know that, again, I, I do listen to the podcast. I know that Nick Wright loves Hakeem Olajuwon, um, and, but I think that Larry Bird is more of an icon to me than necessarily like the better player between him and Shaq. Larry Bird was obviously a fantastic scorer, but Shaq is the most dominant player in NBA history. And I think that his reputation kind of undersells how fantastic he was. And everyone said Shaq could have done more. But Shaq still was a four-time champion. Like, Shaq still was a fantastic player. And maybe he could have done more in 1-8 or whatever. But I I think that that's a huge part of what weighs him down in the the all-time talk. Is maybe he's not a top five player of all time. But nine, I think, is a tad too low. Maybe eight or seven is where I would put him. But yeah, I just think, I think it's his reputation that is the anchor of Shaq's argument. Is like, oh, he was not a hard worker, but uh, still a four-time champion. So, I don't know. Neither of you mentioned Kobe, which surprises me. I personally think Kobe's overrated, and they should be flipped. I think Shaq carried to those. I mean, he didn't carry. I'm not gonna lie, I kinda but Kobe only had his Kobe. first three his three rings because of Shaq. And that's fact. What did you say? When I was reading the list, I just completely glossed over Kobe's name. I saw Tim Duncan and Larry Bird, and I just immediately (laughs) went over. Yeah, just blurred it out of my mind. Uh (laughs) But I I think it's fair. I think you could put him. I think you could put Shaq at six, and I think that that would be fair. You just move everyone else down one. No, I think so as well. Alrighty. Well, if you're listening to this podcast, hopefully we're in your top fifty at least. Uh, if we are, please consider giving us a um, five-star rating on Spotify, Apple Podcast, wherever you're listening. Give us a follow as well on uh, whatever social media platform you're on, either Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok, at lunchpailguys underscore. We appreciate you tuning in, and get ready for next week where we're going to have some more talk of sports.